Welcome to the Conversion Aid Podcast, where we help software entrepreneurs to take their business to the next level. Each week, we interview proven industry experts who share their strategies and insights to help you create software that sells. Here's your host, Omer Khan. Welcome to the Conversion Aid Podcast. This week's interview is about two guys who bootstrapped a SaaS business and went from zero to $20,000 in monthly recurring revenue in less than nine months. They didn't do much validation or any customer development interviews. They were driven by solving a problem they had experienced themselves and wanted to fix. We talk about how they turned their idea into a product and specifically what they did to acquire customers and grow revenue. We talk about why customer success is important and not just a buzzword, how partner integrations can help you grow, and the key to finding and working with the right partners, not just on the technical integration, but also on how you actually use the integration to help you get discovered by customers. We also talk about simple things the founders did to convert free trial users into paying customers and how they used outbound sales to also find prospects. And things are coming together nicely for these guys. They've just raised a million dollars in VC funding and a few weeks ago they made it into Techstars. There's a lot to learn from this interview. Now, before we get started, I'd love to send you my free productivity toolkit, which will teach you the habits, hacks, and tools used by successful founders and entrepreneurs. If you'd like to get a copy, just head over to thesaspodcast.com. That's thesaspodcast.com. Okay, let's get on with the interview. Today's guest is the co-founder of Prospectify, a B2B prospecting platform that helps you automate your lead generation process. Prospectify uses data search, data enrichment, and verification systems to help you build highly targeted prospect lists. The company was founded in January 2016 and has been self-funded until last week. Uh, And they're just about to close their first round to raise a million dollars. So today, I'd like to welcome Matt Ekstrom. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. So let's start by, uh, first of all, I should say, you you and I know each other. We've been talking for some months and and, uh, trying to schedule this uh, interview for a while. So I'm really glad to have you here finally. So thank you for for, uh, joining me. I wanted to sort of start by helping the audience to get to know you a little better as well. So let's just start by just tell us like, you know, what gets you out of bed? What drives or motivates you to do what you do with your business? Oh, it's, uh, you know, it's really, for me, always been about uh, solving problems and finding new, better, more efficient ways to be productive in whatever, whatever job you're doing. Um, You know, I spent better part of, 10 years or so in recruitment tech. Um, but now, um, with, with perspective, it's really, I'm getting to scratch my own itch too. So it's, um, you know, the better we do for our customers, the better our results as, as a company are going to be from a sales, uh, and marketing perspective as well. So what drives me is, you know, I've faced a lot of these problems for a lot of years being in sales and marketing and different growth positions, um, in a, in a different industry, and now I'm getting to solve those problems myself. Now, there's a lot of prospecting t- 
tools out there that people can choose from to help them build prospect lists. Mm-hmm. What's different about Prospectify? Yeah, I would say to, to date, um, I think Prospectify uh, does a couple things really, really differently, which is um, we've, you know, the, I, I would say the top one is is being able to personalize your outbound messaging um, at scale as well. So for instance, we will give you, you know, different things, uh, whether it's um, interests of that prospect or skills of that pro- prospect or you know, people that, you know, common connections between you and that prospect that you're able to use um, with whatever email system or CRM that you want to push them to um, that were integrated. Uh, if we're not integrated, you can export it just the same into a CSV for now and then upload it in. But it really allows you to personalize that outbound message. And one of our focuses focuses as a company has been, you know, making outbound and cold email and cold calling a little less painful for both sides. You know, salespeople in general don't love doing it. Um, and, yeah. and, and certainly the recipients aren't always, you know, so, so happy to see it, but being able to personalize it, you know, uh, in the, in some of those ways has really, um, you know, for us anyway, uh, as a company and, and our customers have seen a great, um, you know, much different response, I should say. Okay, so the other thing I think for me what makes Prospectify a little different is the fact that you guys are not only just giving people access to data that's available on the web, but you're also doing a bunch of uh, kind of funky stuff with the data in the back end. So can you tell, tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so for instance, today, if you were to sign up you know, for a free trial, what you would probably see pretty quickly is that uh, we allow you to, um, on the web, you know, you see the name of a person that you want to prospect and you click a button. And what we pull back is some of that personalization stuff that I was just talking about, but also, you know, links to their social profiles, which sometimes, you know, uh, are, are really key. But we're also uh, guessing and verifying their email address for you. So um, we go through a number of different formats without sending them an email <laughs> or sending all these uh, bounces or anything. But we're we're just pinging the servers basically to make sure that is this format correct and waiting for the right response to come back. So what we're what we're ultimately providing you is a verified email address that. Um, that won't bounce, uh, at least won't bounce for, for the typical reasons, which is that you have the email wrong. It might bounce for other reasons, but that are out of our control. But, you know, we, we stand by our, our verified emails, um, with a 99% or so guarantee that, um, it won't bounce because we were wrong. So how did, how did you guys come up with the idea for this, this business? Why, why did you decide that you wanted to build a, a prospecting tool? So it was, it, you know, so far what we've built and what we've, you know, grown as a company on is, is just the first step of, you know, scratching our own itch. Um, I spent a good time uh, in recruitment tech industry, but always in a sales, marketing or growth position of some sort and faced these challenges that, um, that exist today. You know, for instance, if you're uh, an early stage company, it's great to talk about inbound, but if you're, if you're a 
day one or day 50 of your, of your company inbound, just, you know, it's not going to drive usually, I should say, not going to be driving the traffic that, that you'd hope. So, you know, outbound in, in a lot of cases and even bigger companies is still, is still a huge part of the business. Um, but it's not, it, it can be done more efficiently, I, I should say. So in between startups, um, my last startup hiring solved and this one, um, we, I did about 18 months or so of consulting and, um, most of my clients were facing the same problems, uh, which is, you know, how do we, how do we find and identify good leads, but also how do we, how do we ensure that the leads that we currently have are up to date? Because, you know, B2B contact information decays roughly somewhere between seven and 10% month over month. Um, so being able to find leads, um, and verify their contact information in real time is really important. The second and where, and where we're ultimately going to be going in less than a month is, is being able to target with more precision, precision, the types of companies you want to target. So things that you can't typically search for in most cases, or at least you might have to use multiple tools to do all packed into one. So being able to find a B2B SaaS company that's raised $2 million and uh, installed Infusionsoft in the last 30 days, and then you being, being able to come up with a list of those companies and then targeting the right people uh, with, you know, by prospecting them, getting their verified contact info, and then all the personalization data as well. So that's... So ultimately, where the idea came from is it's a problem that both myself and my co-founder had in different roles. And we were working together enough to um, try to solve this problem the hard way, uh, the longer way, um, that after a few months, we just said, you know, do you want to do this? Do you want to, should we just build this? And that's, that's how we got here. There are a bunch of other sort of prospecting tools out there. Mm-hmm. What was it about this particular situation that had you guys feeling that you needed to build a product? You know, like I said, the the prospecting tool that that we've made our money on to date so far, um, you know, is that there's a lot of others that are fairly similar. But what they didn't give uh, us was the the personalization aspect. You know, the ability to use that. Um, you know, like I said, making the cold outreach or the outbound outreach, um, whether by phone or by email, a little bit more pleasant <laughs> than, than it typically is. But again, that's just the first step in that path. The second step in that path and what we're, what we're going to be releasing on January 9th is a company search that we could not find anything that would do that in a, in an efficient way. So we found different different tools that might give you good information on whether or not they've raised money and what stage they're in. We found other places that told you uh, great information about uh, their tech stack and things like that. Others that had really great granular categories or industries that you typically need to really refine your, <laughs> refine your list of companies. But we didn't find and never could find anything that put it, put it all together into one database and then also allowed you to prospect in real time and verify their contact information in real time and give you that personalization aspect on top of it. Um, so it was just, you know, matter of taking, 
you know, we have one, one great quote from a, or testimonial from a, from a client who said, I just did, and it, right at the day he signed up, I just did in an hour what was taking me all of last week to do. Wow. It's a lot of time savings. And, uh, and I would say just the ability to be much more precise. A lot of, a lot of salespeople, the best salespeople out there are trying to be really precise about their, their ICP without, you know, just blasting emails to a bunch of people, uh, much less unpersonalized and then getting a lot of bounces as well. Um, but in order to do that, it takes a lot of time. Hopefully until now, hopefully we have a solution that really works. Okay. So, so you've got the idea and you feel like there's enough there to enough of a need or an opportunity to build this product. Mm-hmm. Did, what did you guys do next? Did you kind of go out and, and start doing some sort of customer development type interviews? Did you, what, what was the next step in terms of trying to make sure that you had done some kind of validation before you started investing a significant amount of time and money into this business? Probably uh, not the way, not the answer that uh, we should be giving, but we didn't do a lot of customer interviews, honestly. Um, and, and the reason being, to a degree, we we're scratching our own edge, but to a degree, to we we weren't going to be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars or months and months of development time uh, to get something out there first, just to see if you know. We, we, we went, it was probably a little over-engineered, but it wasn't much over-engineered. And today it, it doesn't cost a ton of money to build a prototype and put something out there. Um, and, and we went through a beta probably wasn't long enough. Um, but still, uh, we did and, and enough people were really gravitating to it and we saw, um, saw them logging in on a daily basis and how many people they were prospecting and it didn't, you know, to us, it it was good enough to okay. Let's 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 see about um, let's see if people will actually give us money for this. So our validation, you know, it, you know, I, I see the value in doing a lot of customer interviews, and I'm not saying anyone shouldn't do that either. I think the ultimate validation comes when customers are willing to give you their credit card and willing to put it down and and pay for it. Because um, until they do that, I don't think, yeah. You know, they they can say all day, yeah, I would buy that, absolutely. But the moment of truth comes, sometimes they don't. Uh, how how long did it take you guys to build the first version of that product? You know, I, I think my co-founder Noah probably was, you know, working on it a little bit um, before we decided to to really go for it. Ultimately, though, it was October of. 15 when we decided actually i think it was november november of 15 when when we decided okay we, we should really go for it and we had a beta out in early january so only about two months um i think to collectively we probably sunk 30k into it you know is it a significant amount of money but and we we had enough validation just in our own use cases and scratching our own itch and knowing a lot of people uh, facing the same problem that we felt pretty confident in, in going that distance with it. And, and it was just the two of you. So you spent the 30 K, but did, did you hire any other vendors no. or any people? Okay. Not, so, not at that time. No. So I think one of the, the things that I want to point out to the, the listeners is that you guys launched the, the business in January of 2016 
and you went from zero to $20,000 in monthly recurring revenue in somewhere between six to nine months. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is like, you know, awesome um, momentum and particularly given the fact that it was just the two of you doing everything. Um, I want to kind of really sort of dig into that a little bit and sort of figure out what we and what the listeners can learn from your experience, um, what you did to, to grow that revenue. So kind of looking back and, and it's not that far back. I mean, we're in December, 2016 now. Right. So kind of looking back, t- tell me about what were some of the things that you now look back and say, these were kind of like some of the critical ingredients to our early success our assumptions uh, in eating our own dog food, using our own tool, our assumptions of who might be, um, uh, you know, uh, our ICP. And we still, to be perfectly clear today, I still can't tell you exactly. You know, we we have better ideas about it but i think our early assumptions were pretty good so um, wait, just just to clarify just for people who aren't familiar when you say icp you're talking about ideal customer profile profile yep mm-hmm. okay. yep um so i think our assumptions were pretty good um in that respect uh which was great um and then the customers that we did get um you know obviously for a lot of reasons we paid very close attention to them gave them great uh, customer success, not just support, you know, just ensuring that they're getting the most out of it, um, going the extra mile for them, especially. Uh, I think that led to really good word of mouth. Um, in fact, I know it did because we had a lot of people that were never on any of our target list, but, but they came to us and told us, you know, so-and-so told us about you guys. And that really did drive a lot of revenue. And then beyond that, we, we picked some, I think what are really good uh, integration partners, uh, we were pretty selective early on about who we were going to partner with. Obviously, Salesforce, because you know they own so much of the CRM market. But, but beyond that, um, HubSpot, Reply App, and uh, Salesloft Cadence, um, or Salesloft in general, but our integration is with Cadence. Um, they've all sent referrals our way and vice versa. Um, so I think that's really paid off knowing, knowing who to, who to integrate with first, um, you know, and, and building a partnership with them and doing some co-marketing with them. But really ultimately it comes down to, will their salespeople and will our, uh, us as a company, will we send people back? Um, you know, it really helps. Let's kind of focus a little bit on the, the partners and the integration then. So give, give me kind of one example of a, what you, what you kind of consider a successful integration? Like who was that with? Um, using reply. Um, I think they go by reply now, not reply app, but reply as a, as a good, um, use case. I think they were a company that, um, you know, it wasn't that far ahead of us as far as, um, how long they've been a company and how established they were. Um, number one and number two, it, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, often people will come to us and say, okay, great. Um, now we've got these leads. What do I do with them? So it's a natural question that they might ask us, you know, who should we, how, 
you know, do you have any recommendations on how we uh, utilize this data, how we um, email these people now that we have verified contacts? Uh, you know, and if it's not if it's not directly into a CRM, then it makes sense to go directly into you know an email platform. Um, and so, vice versa, they might go to reply because they're looking for a new solution of how to get. Uh, prospects um, or messages out to prospects using their Google Apps account as opposed to a marketing automation tool. And if that's the case, then the natural question is, okay, where uh, I need new leads as well. And so, you know, facilitating that partnership, we did a little bit of co-marketing early on with Reply after the integration, but it wasn't much. And ultimately, I think most of the leads come about naturally that way during the sales process. So it's just making sure that you know, the whole team, however big it is at any given point, understands, you know, you know what we do and what we do well and uh, can make recommendations to their customers as well. So describe the integration with Reply App. I mean, is, is this something in terms of once people have found prospects in Prospectify, they can basically just push all that data into Reply App? Is that how the integration works? Um. Not not all of it, um, but but all the key stuff. But you can also self-select out. So, just like a, a lot of integrations, you can you can map certain fields and not others. So, for instance, you know we pull up we pull back a lot of social data. They may not, yeah, our customers may not be interested in uh, pushing all of those uh, social links to to other platforms, but some might be important. Um, but then going back to the personalization side of it, you know, the stuff around, you know, interests, for instance, for example, um, they, they're allowed to select one of the interests per person. Uh, and it's really easy to do just by clicking a star you know, that can go with it. And so in reply or cadence or any other CRM that can be a custom field and then they can use that as a merge field in their emails or, you know, just a good reference for their, for their outbound phone calls. And and so, I mean, you know, doing an integration these days is becoming easier and easier with a partner. You know, once you've got access to somebody's API, you can kind of figure out, you know, Mm -hmm. relatively easily what you want to do. But I guess that's kind of just one part of the, the kind of the process. The other is actually, how do you, how do you get benefit from the integration? How do you market that to be something that's that's kind of mutually beneficial? Um, so, did did you kind of um, have to work with the the Reply app team to sort of figure out what that was going to look like, or did that just kind of happen organically once the integration was kind of completed and, and kind of available? for people to use? Yeah. So there was, there was one or two things, um, that we needed clarification on, uh, during the integration, but I think that kind of bubbled up a little bit. Um, and their, and their team was great about reaching out and saying, uh, so was, so was sales off for that matter. Um, you know, you know, what, what can we do to, um, to make this a win for both of us? You know, they were really happy that I think we're, uh, I can't say this for sure, but I think we might have been the first uh, outside integration to go and integrate with Reply. They had other integrations that they had built 
uh, with other tools, but I think we were the first person to, uh, to go, you know, from, from our end to them. And so I think they were pretty excited about that. And they had a lot of great ideas that they brought to the table pretty quickly, like, um, you know, different ideas, how, how we could, uh, how we could co-market and things like that. So I think it's, um, I think to your point, you know, as integrations are becoming easier and easier for the most part, um, you know, so is the idea that, you know, if you have an integration partner and, and you think your ICP is probably fairly similar, it makes sense to, uh, to take full advantage of it from both sides. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So finding the right, integration partners and like reply uh salesforce uh what were the others that you mentioned uh sales lofts uh uh email and phone call tool that that they have which is uh called cadence and then um hubspot as well so we integrate with hubspot crm which interacts with their sales pro tool got it so those those partner integrations help to drive referrals and new signups for Prospectify. What else did you guys do to get to the $20,000 $20, in monthly recurring revenue? Um, so I think we talked about, you know, our assumptions on the ICP were pretty good. Um, and the customer success um, early on really taking care of our customers led to great, great word of mouth uh, for sure. Give, give me um, give me one example of that like like when you say like taking care of your customers um, yeah so yeah so so naturally as a as a founder um, our early customers you know like we did with beta in, in beta you know I I would I would go out of my way even if it, even if our tool is pretty simple to use and most people get it going through a demo and just hearing hearing what questions they ask, things like that. But then post-sale as well, um, you know, set, you know, sending regular follow-ups uh, throughout that process to ensure that they're, that they're successful monitoring uh, via, you know, like for instance, we use uh, at, at the moment we're using intercom, which can tell us what features are being used and which features aren't, you know, noticing if someone, hasn't used, you know, has used the tool for a week, but not use a certain feature, making sure that they understand that that's available to them, things of that nature that, um, you know, allow, you know, giving them best practices on, on how to, how to prospect and, you know, knowing when, um, how to, how to search for the right companies and the right people and things like that. Um, giving them some pretty cool tips and tricks and things like that um, really paid off. And I think overall led to them having a more positive experience and, um, and then telling other people about it. Obviously it's going to come up in conversation. Was this kind of an automated process where when somebody signed up, you were kind of providing them this kind of help and support along the way, or were, were you guys manually reaching out to new signups, uh, new customers and, you know, getting on the phone with them and sort of helping them through the process. How were you doing this? Good question. So, um, you know, initially we, uh, we did have a series of, uh, automated emails post signup that would give them, um, you know, 
you know, one, one thing a day or one thing every other day that, um, showed them something new that they probably, that they could do and perspectify. Uh, so a, it, it kept us at the forefront of their minds because often if you sign up for a free trial, especially if you haven't put a credit card in yet, um, you can easily forget about it. Um, but, uh, but then the other, so it's a little bit of a mixture of both. So that was the automated portion of it. The non-automated portion of it is, um, that we could have automated, but we didn't is, you know, it's been a week and they haven't used this, this feature. We could have sent them an audit automated email about it, but instead, uh, what we chose to do was, was more manual outreach. Um, whether it's, a uh, you know, we see them logged into our portal, we could send them a message from there. Um, or we could pick up the phone and call them, we could email them any which way. But I think overall, especially, especially customer, I, that there's something about a, a, uh, founder reaching out to them, uh, in a personal one-to-one way that I think, um, really makes them feel more special, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, totally. And, uh, I think that really paid off. Okay, good. So this, the second lesson around getting 20K in monthly recurring revenue was the way you guys focused on your customers, um, really try to be invested in their success. And you used a combination of automated follow-ups as well as manual outreach mm-hmm. to help them get the most out of prospectify and and start to see results as quickly as possible mm-hmm. now you guys were from what i understand you you also did um a lot of outbound sales yourself you're reaching out to prospects and i i assume you were using prospectify mm-hmm. to do that absolutely um, so so tell me a, a little bit about the process that you were kind of going through to um, to find people and then what did the outreach look like when you contacted these people? The outreach kind of depended on obviously the, the um, segment in which we were targeting. Um, but one thing that I found particularly helpful in light of the fact that, you know, still to, to this day, we don't, uh, don't have our company search completely done yet. Like I said, it's coming in January. So what the part of the process that was still difficult was finding the right companies, making sure that they're a B2B company, making sure that, um, that they're the right employee size so that they probably have the right, right number of salespeople that we think is our ideal, uh, customer profile. But, um, what I found particularly, um, shouldn't say, it's not easy, but helpful is looking for looking for groups where people are, you know, hanging out or meeting together over a common uh, uh, interest or common career or profession, things of that nature um, was the best way for us to to target and then then use use our own tool or eat our own dog food and uh, actually prospecting them into our system. Give me one example of that. So when we did a Salesforce integration, right, there's, there's groups uh, online 
that are Salesforce power users, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that that would be a very basic example of it. Um, you know, so our assumption was, okay, we've built a <laughs> we built an integration with Salesforce, uh, Salesforce power users, uh, probably mostly salespeople, um, and in a lot of cases, if not all, um, maybe in B two B, that sort of thing. So. That's where, you know, and again, that's the part of the process where we're still looking to solve with our upcoming release. But um, that's the way we that w- the way we went about it, um, assuming that they're in sales, assuming that they're in B2B, that there are that they are in a Salesforce power user group uh, of, of some nature. We're able to um, target them a little bit better than than just using the typical means or um the much harder means, which, you know, I described before, which is, you know, using four or five different databases, which require in most cases, annual subscriptions and things like that and matching the data that you export from each of those and, and all of that. So that that's primarily how we did our, our outbound really is, is around uh, professional uh, interest groups and things of that nature. And then, in terms of what were you trying to do? What was the goal to get them uh, on the phone for a demo or what, what was kind of like the next step you were trying to get to with these people? Yeah, great question. So, um, so at first, uh, and this is part of the, <laughs> wish we had done a, a little bit longer beta. Um, so early on it was, Hey, let's, let's get them into the, you know, let's have them sign up for their free trial and everything will be great. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a glaring omission in hindsight, but, uh, we, you know, had we done a little bit longer beta, we probably would have come across this is we had no real onboarding experience inside the app. So that didn't work. Um, you know, a lot of people got in and they were staring at a, at a portal and like, okay, what do I do? (laughs) You know, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, you know, some of them would share that with us, like, oh, you know, via, via intercom and our in-app chat, you know, okay, what do I do now? And, uh, so that's something that we kind of scrambled to put together. So, so I went away from that, um, to, Hey, let's, let's do a demo while we figured out what a good onboarding experience might look like. And it's by no means perfect yet, uh, not even close, but, uh, we're getting better and better at it. And so, but doing the demos really, did help. Um, as I said before, you know, it, it kind of set the stage for a relationship, particularly if they purchased post post demo, obviously. Um, but it, it, it got a lot of the questions out of the way. Um, and, and really helped me, uh, help, um, Noah and, and, and guiding what, what we should build next and, uh, things of that nature. Okay, cool. So again, kind of, we kind of recap, uh, on that in, in terms of my, my takeaways were sort of the three main things that you guys did to get early revenue, get to 20K MRR were the partner integrations, um, the way you kind of focused on new customers and, and, and sort of automated and manual follow up to help them be successful. Um, and then the outbound sales that you guys were doing yourselves to find the right prospects and, 
get them to become aware of Prospectify and 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 try it out. And and I know things are continuing to build up for you guys. So you you know first coming to the close of the first year. Um, well before the close of the first year, you were doing multiple six-figure revenue. I know next year is looking, you know, even stronger for you guys. Uh, you've raised or just about to close a million-dollar round. So all of those things, you know, it's, overall, it's been a great year from from the from my perspective, right? Um, but when you kind of look back, what what were some of the big lessons? that you learned through 2016 or things that you wish you had done differently. And I think you talked a little bit about the, maybe the beta being too short. So maybe that's one area that maybe we can talk a little bit about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in hindsight, I probably would have, um, extended the beta a little bit more. Um, so I think for a couple of reasons, um, the, the main one though, I would say is, in hindsight, we probably had too many of the same type of potential customers uh, in our beta, and most of our beta users did did ultimately translate into paid customers. Um, but but once the doors sort of opened, um, and uh, you know a little bit of a word of mouth got around things that things of that nature, we we got different types of customers that um, all had somewhat different use cases. Um, and so, and different, different levels of knowledge. So, um, going from, you know, beta users who probably in most cases had used, um, some sort of prospecting tool that had sort of an idea of, of what Perspectify was doing, um, or trying to do and how to use it to potentially getting in, in, you know, one good example of that would be, um, we had, uh, you know, a couple of wealth advisors who, you know, had never used a tool like this, but they heard about it and they heard they could, they could get great, uh, verified contact information and things of that nature, um, coming in and really not having any idea, uh, what a, what a prospecting tool like Perspectify does, how to use it, that sort of thing. But also in hindsight, um, it, you know, they have a completely different use case, you know? So for a wealth advisor compared to, um, inside, you know, sales or BDR at a SaaS company, one sale to them means a lot more, uh, than, than it does to the BDR, um, who's primarily setting appointments for sales execs and closers. Um, you know, so that's, and, and they care about different things. Um, so, not knowing that, um, which I think we could have sorted out in the beta, um, as well as, like I said, just a couple of minutes ago, the, the onboarding experience, just, just, you know, one of those things that <laughs> seems like a glaring omission at this point. Um, but we just didn't think about coming out of beta that, you know, an onboarding experience would be really helpful. Um, so so, you, so you, you basically feel like the beta was too short. You had a lot of people who were very similar in the beta and then um, everything kind of looked good. So you were like, okay, let's kind of, you know, pull yeah, the trigger sure. and kind of, you know, let's kind of open this up to the world. And then you realize the diversity of people you were getting who were using the product and 
realize there were a bunch of things that you needed to address for those type of people. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's more forgivable, obviously, in, in, in beta, right? As, especially unpaid beta. Um, it's a lot more forgivable. Like when you, um, realize, oh, we don't have an onboarding experience. Okay, cool. Yeah, we should do that. Um, right. so, um, then when you get paid users who just, you know, sign up for the free trial, some of them even, I, you know, went, went straight to a paid account because, you know, they heard through word of mouth through someone they trust, but then they're, then they're stuck there and they're looking at, at the screen and not knowing, how do I download a Chrome extension or what even is a Chrome extension? And, you know, I would look and I could see through, through our tools that they're, you know, on Microsoft edge or Firefox or something. Um, but no, you need to be in Chrome. Here's how you download Chrome, all those types of things that, you know, once they've, once they've paid for it or, or even just want to pay for it, um, you know, it, it takes a totally different tone. So I, I would, you know, my takeaway is, you know, probably when you, th- when you, when you think you're done with beta, uh, probably at least extended a few weeks, if not double the time you've done it. Yeah. Good advice. Okay. In, in terms of other lessons or, or mistakes that you guys feel that you made, mm-hmm. um, is, are there any other kind of big takeaways that you sort of think about and say, okay, this, this is kind of one thing that we're going to do differently or we wish we had done differently. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, so kind of in a little, little bit kind of piggybacking on that. Uh, the last one is that, you know, pricing is hard. Um, and just being a little bit more thoughtful in, into, um, uh, different ways that people might use your system um, to, to be able to value price for different use cases. And I think it's similar to what we're, um, what we're about to do with company search, which is, you know, using uh, very controlled cohorts or segments that we allow in at a time to help us a figure out, do we have the right price, you know? Have, have we experienced friction yet? Things like that, but also it allows from a marketing perspective, you know, it allows us to use exclusivity about, you know, well, for right now we have X amount of seats available at this price and you'll be grandfathered in yada, yada, yada. Um, that creates, you know, interest and urgency. So that's, that's the good side of it. The other good side of it too, is that, um, that you're what we experience, uh, for instance, when we got to about, uh, 12 K MRR was the first time I, I looked over, <laughs> over at Noah, my, my partner, co-founder, uh, and said, uh, man, we, we have probably too many users and too many customers right now for just <laughs> the two of us. Uh, what do we do? You know? Um, and at that point, you know, we're, we're putting all the money back into the company. Um, and we were getting very close to needing, needing to, you know, go back to pulling some income to support our families and things like that. So it's, you know, getting getting stuck in that spot was was unpleasant. So, you know, the rapid growth um, at that point, you know, kind of had a double edged sword to it. Um, it was great; it looked great on paper, 
but in re- in reality, we're spending you know 16, 18 hour days and and, and not quite catching up um, and not being able to support our customers the way we were uh, early on. Things like that that um, kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah, it can be it can be a scary experience where in in you know you start off and and you're you want to get as many customers as you can, and in the early days, it can be you know, a lot more work and, but you have more time to spend with every new, new customer. And then you kind of get to this point, I think, where it just feels like the train is about to run away. And mm-hmm. how do you, you know, given the, the limited resources that you have is still to, to kind of provide the quality and do all the things that you want to do to be able to build the business in the, in the right way. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like, it's so true in terms of, you know, any new business in the first year, the best thing you could have is, you know, um, uh, you know, a thousand customers you never expected. And probably the worst thing you can have is a thousand customers you never expected. Right. So it's just, it's a, it's a tough place to be. Yeah. And, and, and it's one of those, um, you know, in, in, I guess, um, modern language, they, they, the, the, as the quote the kids would say, um, you know, middle class problems or upper class problems. But you know, so hmm. talking to other founders at times, you know, we 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 found ourselves kind of getting blank stares back at us, like, oh, really? That's your problem? <laughs> um, but but you know, it is true. Um, and you know, to a customer, when when there's a you know a bug in the system or something that they come across. Um, and it takes a, it take, you know, it could take 12 hours to resolve and it should take a half an hour. They don't care that you're only two guys, right? They've paid you the money, right? They want it fixed and they should. And that's the, that's the correct expectation for them. And it's the right expectation for us to be able to fix it effortlessly for them in a, in a short amount of time. But, you know, when you're at that point, it's, it's, it's quite difficult. But then you're also still trying to grow because if your goal is or, you think at some point you're going to have to raise money. You you really don't want stagnating or declining revenue at all. So totally. What is that noise behind you? Have you got some landscapers outside or something? Yeah, unfortunately, they're, <laughs> not, but they're they're almost gone. They're almost gone. I've, I've watched them move away. Um, cool. So so listen. So listen. You know, congratulations on on um, you know raising the million dollars. What what are the plans with that? How how are you guys planning to spend the money? Are you going to hire some people? Yeah, so we we've you know we've had off and on uh, throughout the time you know after we started accumulating a substantial monthly recurring revenue, we've had some contractors um, working on various parts of of of, um, of the product, uh, including integrations and things like that. Um, now we're looking to bring on full time people. Uh, we've brought two on as of today. I think the second one just agreed today. Great. Um, so now we're four. You've doubled in, in size in 24 hours. <laughs> well, well, actually, one of them joined us last week. But, uh, <laughs> right. today. And then, um, yeah, I think we're probably going to bring on two more uh, before mid-January or so. Um, and that's when, you know, new, uh, new product rollout and things like that. Um, so our focus primarily is on um, you know, engineering. So being able to, uh, not only support and maintain the current code, uh, but, you know, 
continuously being able to innovate, build, and then on sales and customer success. And those are the three main areas that we're focusing on hiring at this point. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, it's time for the lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Just uh, try to answer them as quickly as you can. Ready? Okay. Mm -hmm. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Um, I think it's knowing when to say no and that it's okay to say no. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Uh, why for many reasons, uh, and, and also its type of mind is because I'm reading it. It's the obstacle is the way it's by Ryan holiday. Um, not your typical business book, like, you know, but it's great, great stories from history about great leaders that you can certainly apply to your everyday business life. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? Fearlessness. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? <laughs> so outside of perspective. Outside I, of um, perspective, of course. <laughs> Go on. Um, I really like Pocket um, because, you know, I come across blog posts or articles in various publications, even even some eBooks that, you know, I've downloaded that I can't spend the time to read right away, but maybe I'm going to be hopping on a plane, you know, four or five hour flight in a, in a few days or a few weeks. And so being able to easily, easily save it and then return to it. I love it. Does, does pocket grab eBooks as well? Uh, if you, if you open it like on a Mac, you can open up, um, uh, like an eBook in PDF form into a URL. Um, does that make sense? Like you can yeah. preview it like in Chrome and then you can, uh, you can grab it. It, it won't look as good. As, as a typical blog post or article, but yeah, it gets the job done. Yeah, as long as you can read it, right? Yeah. Cool. Uh, what's a, a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time? Man, I've had some great ideas for uh, B2C apps, <laughs> particularly around, for whatever reason, grocery shopping. I don't know why. Um, it's I, I, I do it often enough, I guess. That's why. But um, um but yeah, I'd be scared to do that though. I, I know the B2B space so well, uh, jumping into B2C might be difficult, but I've, I've had some good ideas yeah, around that. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? <laughs> this is the answer I always use uh, for this, but uh, I was a child model and actor. Um, really? Not, not very famous, but, uh, <laughs> but I was in Target stores and some magazines, a uh, couple couple movies so yeah wow yeah. i did not know that there you go um <laughs> no, and very few people do know <laughs> until now <laughs> uh, and finally what is one of your most important passions outside of your work yeah i mean outside of family and my wife and daughter um i think the only time i really give myself to relax is with them and uh with fantasy football uh which is quickly coming to an end other than that, it's you know being an early stage startup. It's all about the the company. So, so you're in Arizona. Are you a Cardinals fan? I'm not. I'm originally from New Orleans. I'm a diehard Saints fan. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say the Cardinals are having a tough year this this season. Oh. They are, and I kind of like watching the 
you know, it's a newer fan base because they've had some success in the last you know, decade or so. Um, how they react to a, a down season like this. It's, it's kind of funny coming from where I came from, <laughs> which, which we had dismal seasons for decades. Uh, <laughs> pretty interesting. Cool. Hey Matt, I'm, I'm really glad we, uh, we kind of managed to, to finally schedule this and, uh, I appreciate you making the time to do this. Um, uh, I appreciate you know, the invite. Thank you so much. It's a good conversation. Uh, I think you guys are doing great. You, you know, you've got a great story in terms of what you've just done in, in a very short space amount of time. And, uh, you know, I definitely will look forward to staying in touch with you and, and seeing where you, you guys take the business over the next year or two. Uh, if folks want to find out more about Prospectify, they can go to prospectify.io. And if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, easiest way is just Matt at Perspectify.io. Um, love to answer any questions, uh, whether it's about the app, whether it's about business, whatever. Yeah. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Thanks, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this interview. You can get to the show notes by going to conversionaid.com slash 138. That's 138, where you'll find a summary of this episode and a link to all the resources we discussed. If you enjoyed this episode, then please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. It really does mean a lot to me, and I read every single review. Here's all you have to do is go to conversionaid.com slash iTunes, which will open the podcast page on iTunes. And under ratings and reviews, click the write a review button and type a couple of sentences on why you enjoy listening to this podcast. That's it. So I really do appreciate you uh, taking the time to do that and supporting the show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to Conversion Aid, the podcast that shows you how to take your business to the next level and create software that sells. But things don't have to end here. Head over to conversionaid.com slash VIP and get yourself on the free VIP list where we share special insider content and news about upcoming episodes. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.